Cool. All right. So, Justin, sing me a song about, or sing me a song that mentions something about aging in it. Hmm. A song about aging. Hmm. Uh, we'll go with, um, I'm sure, what is your favorite band? Look at this photograph. Every time I do, it makes me laugh. <laughs> go with that. <laughs> I love that, like, I don't know if anybody else knows any other words to that song except for those two lines. <laughs> I don't think anybody does. How did you know that was my favorite band? You know, big old Nickelback fan. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, who doesn't? Who doesn't love them? I mean, you know, they're up there. Uh, Rolling Stones, Beatles, Nickelback. It's up there, you know? Yeah, it's up there. Yeah, it's just right there at the top. Real yep. iconic. Of, yes. Just, just uh, all the time, you know? <laughs> I know that Sterling probably would not give points for that because he would be more specific about the type of song he's looking for. But I think that that's a good fit. So I'm going to give you a point and a half, Justin, for this one. Yo. Hey. Working your way back up. Gotta make gotta make up some ground for these losses I've been taking lately. So yeah. I'll take it. I'm gonna give myself one point for giving you one and a half points. Because I think that's pretty generous. So I'm gonna give myself a generous point of one. <laughs> Cause I am way I'm like even further behind than you are with the point system. So this gives me one point and you one and a half. So we're, we're crawling our way back up. So perfect. I'll take it. Yeah. Um, all right. And on that note, I'm going to cue that music. Cinema Slayers. Yeah. So, welcome once again to the Cinema Slayers podcast, where we are going to review two movies tonight and talk about everything we liked and disliked and everything in between. And those two movies tonight will be Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins, and then M. Night Shyamalan's newest feature, Old. So that's what we're going to do. Of course, we're going to do a spoiler and non-spoiler talk. Uh, in attendance as your host today, it is I, the resident wrestler, yes, sir. Uh, the belt collector, the three titles simultaneously Ayo. now at this time, holding uh, living proof, Justin Taylor, and I'm here with the first lady of Cinema Slayers, Heather. What, um, Stur- yes, 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 the first lady, right there, baby. Always, <laughs> always, will forever and always be the first lady of Cinema Slayers. And um, unfortunately, uh, Sterling could not be on with us tonight, whether it be for work or just simply a lack of interest, or he just decided to do something else. <laughs> Probably better all with of his the above. night. Yeah, better with his night tonight. Uh, he is not here, but that's okay. We're gonna truck it along and 
do the best we can without the uh, without the fearless leader here. So to start, we are going to start with Snake Eyes, uh, GI Joe Origins. So Heather, give us some spoiler-free impressions that you had from this film. Okay, well, so I'll be honest that you know I was not super fanning on the original G.I. Joe movies. I realized, you know, The Rock is in one of them. Channing Tatum is in one. I I realized these things. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. It's really just the G.I. Joe (laughs) movies are not my thing. Like, it's, it's one of those where it's like, you know, mindless action, like a lot of things you see. So, I mean, I don't really have any specific expectations of G.I. Joe movies in general. Um... And with this one, it's interesting because I wouldn't necessarily say it's like any kind of standout action, whatever type of movie. I will say it's probably the best of the G.I. Joe movies that I've seen. Take that for what Mm -hmm. it's worth. (laughs) But it's still really just, um, it's not really memorable in any sort of way. Um, I will say that Henry Golding as Snake Eyes is definitely the best thing about the movie. Um, I really, really like Henry Golding. I think that he is a really talented actor. I think he has some kind of really great charm about him that makes him interesting to watch in the roles that he chooses to be in. I think that he's typically pretty smart about the roles he does because I think he tries to switch it up and be versatile with it. Um, and, you know, I mean, we've seen him as the leading man in a rom-com. We've seen him as a villain in The Gentleman. You know, we've seen him as um, more rom-com <laughs> with that movie he did, that Christmas movie he did. Um, you know, and now we're seeing him more in like this action type role. So he's very versatile. I think that he was a great choice to be the lead of this movie. I think that the only reason it's really as interesting as it is for the most part is because of him. Um, There are a couple of uh, supporting characters that kind of help this endeavor, um, which are mostly coming from Andrew uh, Koji, who plays Tommy, and um, Haruka Abe, who plays Akiko. I think that they are great supporting cast members. I think that they kind of helped really sort of move the story along in the way that it needs to go. Um, They have great dynamics together. I wouldn't say great. They have good dynamics together. But um, I think that the story overall is a little bit, for one, I think it's a little bit rushed. Um, I think that you get the very surface level that you can get of the backstory that they want to do with it. But they also at the same time want you to care more about the backstory and the characters' backstories, then you really should based on what they give you in this movie, if that makes sense. Um, But again, I have seen worse action movies. I've seen worse G.I. Joe movies, but I've also seen better. So for me, I'm really, I'm not like super impressed with this movie, but with it being a G.I. Joe movie and kind of my original opinion of those movies in general i will say this is a better one of the gi joe movies um it's more really just kind of 
down the middle, only okay overall movie. Cool, cool. Um, yeah, actually, when I think about this movie, um, I, I think a lot of what you said about it is true. It is the best G.I. Joe movie that they've done so far. I mean, out of all of those movies, which I mean, and, 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 you know, it, it feels like a compliment. I mean, I guess it is, but it's also not <laughs> saying much because those movies were kind of bad. Like, <laughs> like, even, even though the they did it, have a, like, it's not good. I know. <laughs> I know that that was before he had really hit stride and was True. just kind of trying to, you know, one, he was just kind of trying to, you know, you try to get in where you can fit in. Establish so to speak. himself. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So it was just one of those where it seemed right up his alley. It was action and stuff like that. But yeah, those movies just, man, they're just so forgettable. And I do believe that you are right when you say that this is definitely better made. It, it does have a more cohesive story. And it does have more, I guess you could say, interesting things that happens in the story. Now, it's not the greatest story. I mean, we've seen it all before. You know, you, you know, there are some <laughs> similar beats which we can talk about in the spoiler section. But, you know, it's nothing you haven't seen before. But just the fact that it was a cohesive narrative, <laughs> I think is a step up for these uh yeah gi joe movies and yeah henry golding was very good in this i mean he really does carry this movie and it is his performance that really just keeps you invested in what's happening and what this character is going to do and stuff like that and you know this character is constantly at a crossroads in this and it's kind of a real uh, struggle of what should I do? Am I doing the right thing? You know, this character is constantly battling that within himself. And I think that Henry Golding did a great job of portraying that, portraying kind of this character that's wondering if he's doing the right thing, but, but is feeling, but he's consumed by certain feelings. So that's leading him a certain direction and kind of, uh, forcing him to have to come to a head on what's right, what's wrong, et cetera, and things like that. So, yeah, I think Henry Golding uh, did a, a great job there. Um, I also liked Andrew Koji in this. Uh, Tommy. Um, yeah. I, I thought that he was good alongside Henry Golding. I thought that the scenes that they had, you you got the sense that there was a either a friendship or a camaraderie or at least a sense of honor that was kind of growing between them and stuff like that. And, and, and then of course, um, you know, the movie takes some twists and turns and things of that nature. But as it's going along, I really thought that their dynamic was, it, it was watchable. You know, I'm not going to say it was the greatest dynamic again, you know, a, a, a lot of these beats are familiar in this movie, but I thought that it was watchable. You know, I thought that their dynamic was at least enough to uh, carry this movie to the end. Um, and of course, it, it wouldn't be a G.I. Joe movie if you didn't have some familiar characters from the original G.I. Joe comics and cartoon. So, of course, we get Scarlet here. Um and we get the Baroness, who is kind of like the the, the glasses-wearing uh 
Cobra uh, female operative is kind of an iconic character in G.I. Joe. So it was cool to see that character here and represented and got to do some stuff here with the plot and stuff. Although we didn't really get to dive into those characters, um, which probably is one of the more weaknesses of the movie. It was nice to see some of those characters mentioned. And it is an origin story for this G.I. Joe universe and stuff. So it felt right that there would be some G.I. Joe Cobra uh, involvement in the movie. So if you're a fan of that, you do get some of that too. So uh, overall, um, was it a, a great movie? No. Um, shoot, you might even be able to argue it's not even a, you know, that it's not like a good movie, but I do think it's decent. You know, I I walked away just kind of shrugging my shoulders. I kind of shook my head and went, yeah, okay. You know, that was pretty much sort of was the reaction I had when I walked out of this. I wasn't angry with it. I wasn't upset necessarily about anything. I mean, the movie definitely does have some flaws. And there were some genuine parts that I liked. So all in all, I think it was a, you know, it was a decent action flick. Um, you know, it's hard to give it something like an action flick like this praise, especially after seeing something like Black Widow, which is definitely like leaps and bounds better than this. If anything, a movie like this makes me appreciate Black Widow more. Like, you know, yeah, <laughs> it's definitely. almost like you... Yeah, like it's almost like you complain about something like Black Widow until you see something like this. And then you're like, oh, wow, you know, I didn't realize how good we have it with with some of those uh, Marvel action movies, because they just know how to do their characters and make you care about them in a way that sometimes these movies do kind of lack, you know. Uh, but, but, but I digress all in all, um, a a decent outing and an improvement, you know, and a better outing for these, uh, GI Joe movies. So with that being said, uh, let's hit that jingle for recommendations and scores. Recommendations and scores. All right, since I just talked, I guess we're just going to do a back and forth thing here. So, so Heather, uh, <laughs> your recommendations and scores for Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. <laughs> I mean, also just a quick follow up. Like, do you remember Joseph Gordon-Levitt in the first one? Was it the first one or the second one? Whatever <laughs> one that he was in where he played like the King Cobra or whoever he was. You remember that? Yeah, yeah, I do. I am very sad, like, thinking back on that, that they picked him for that. Or really more that they just, like, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is a good actor. And he was completely wasted or really did not, he was not able to do his full potential in that movie. Because he seemed, in that movie, and he was already established enough at that point. It wasn't like a Dwayne Johnson situation. He was already well-known, very established, had been in a lot of great movies, and they made it seem like he did not know how to act. They made it seem like this was the first thing he had ever done in his life, acting-wise. I am very disappointed in G.I. Joe for that reason, (laughs) because they took a a treasure of an actor and made it seem like he had never done this before. It's very disappointing. 
But um, <laughs> that's just my take. Was the first one? It was, right? The first G.I. Joe? Yes. Uh, G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra, I believe. Yeah. 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 So anyway, that was just a little side note. But for this movie, honestly, I mean, I can't necessarily say I specifically recommend it. Like, I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, Henry Golding is good in it, but I, I can't just say it's like peak Henry Golding, even. Um, I mean, if you're really just like, I want to see all the G.I. Joe movies, sure, you will like it more than the others, most likely. Um, the action, there are a couple of scenes and moments that are really cool, what they do with it. But again, there's nothing super stand out that makes it any different than other action films or anything like that. So, I mean, it de- it definitely has a lot of flaws. It's it's not a perfect movie by any means. It's not even necessarily like this is good. Like I can't with good conscience say this is a good movie. I will say it's an okay movie. But I think Jason you said it best when you said that it's an improvement for sure over the other G.I. Joe movies. So if it's like they're planning to do more of these origin stories or just in general more G.I. Joe movies, if they move in this direction more, it'll be a good thing. You know, I can't say that this hurts the franchise of the G.I. Joe movies in any way. I think it actually helped it more than anything. But again, that's not saying much based on the other movies. So it really is just okay. Um... I think if you're just like, sure, I'm just looking for something I haven't seen before that has a little bit of action and can keep your interest a little bit, sure, I guess. But I can't, it's weird because I can't really specifically say I recommend this movie to anybody specific. So I really kind of just like how I feel about the movie and my score about this movie. It's very middle of the road. It's like, watch it if you want to, but if you don't, I wouldn't blame you. And I wouldn't feel like, oh, you've, <laughs> you've missed out on this great piece of cinema. So that's my recommendation, sort of. <laughs> um, I am going to give this, honestly, very middle of the road. Um, 50, using a sword to cut off handcuffs, handcuffs as he jumps in the air out of 100. Yeah, Um I mean, as far as a recommendation is concerned, I mean, I guess if you're, um, if you grew up on G.I. Joe, you know, the 80s cartoon, or you're a reader of the comics and things like that, or you were a fan of the other movies that came out before this one, then yeah, you're probably the core audience member that's going to want to watch this, and you probably will, or maybe you already have, you know, and I think that there is some things there for you as a fan to, to get behind. There are some reveals and revelations they even make at the end of the film that I think a fan of this might be uh, excited about. You know, if you know the G.I. Joe lore and you're familiar with those stories and stuff like that, you can see where some things are going and that might excite you in some way. Uh, but for the average moviegoer, yeah, I mean, I think when you're looking at the, the cinema landscape and you've got Black Widow, which is already out alongside this, and in a lot of ways, kind of a similar deal, you know, you've got 
spies over here and you've got ninjas over here and there's an operation and something has to be done and you know you're trying to uh find you you know like i'm not saying that they're the same movie or anything like that but they're of similar kind they're within this kind of the same genre of each other you know where you have this person and there's there's a past and they're trying to unravel that and at the same time it's got that kind of you know action thriller kind of elements to it but black widow's a way better movie and then coming (laughs) up a little a little bit later you're gonna have suicide squad which is another kind of action comedy type of thing so i just see this movie literally getting lost in the shuffle like I just don't know why you would watch this over any of those. I, I just don't know why you would watch this, how I could tell you to watch this and not Black Widow or tell you to not wait and just spend your money on Suicide Squad, which I'm pretty sure would be better than this and a lot more entertaining. So, yeah, this just kind of winds up being kind of a movie for a niche audience you know i feel like the niche audience will enjoy this i just don't know if the general audience goer will will enjoy this or if you do you'll get some you you may get some minimal enjoyment out of it it might be a popcorn good time for you i mean but none of the action scenes stand out that much some of them are even difficult to see you know, because of the whole shaky camera effects and weird just kind of cutting that they do in some of these fight scenes uh, in this movie. So even the choreography, I don't think, is top-notch or anything. Uh, special effects and stuff are decent enough. I mean, I really think that where this movie is at its best is just when they're doing character work. But I do think that's not very much, <laughs> you know, like... uh if if only there was just kind of more of it or it understood kind of how a, how to balance that kind of like how black widow did i keep going back to that because yeah because it's a better movie do you it's get just my more recent you get yeah. that by now yeah and it's more recent so and it's kind of like in the same but anyway you probably get it right now yes justin black widow's better we got it <laughs> uh but, but yeah that's where i kind of stand on this niche audience go see it general audience there are other things that you could probably spend your money on. So with that being said, yeah, I think I'm just going to go kind of middle of the road with this. Like I said, I didn't hate it, but I didn't love it or think it's a good movie either. So we're just going to go with straight up 50. Uh, we're going to go with uh, 50 um, uh, bowls of water. <laughs> that get uh spilled in a test that when you get to the end of that test you were like man i knew they were gonna do that out of a (laughs) hundred so spoilers yeah let's go for it cool spoilers so yeah yeah. um It's a weird one because, like, I love that we're both very middle of the road with this one. It's genuinely yeah. just the most middle of the road, okay action film that you can think of. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, I think that if somebody, it's, it's kind of like how when you're thinking about how 
like a cake is made or, or, or like, let's just say like you've got a favorite dish or something that you like and, and, and you may not have made it before yourself, but you know what all the ingredients are. Like you've had it enough times where you kind of know, okay, if somebody told you, Hey, I'm going to make this and I need you to go to the store and get the stuff for it. And you, you kind of know what the ingredients are, right? Like you kind of know what's going to be in it. You know, what's good in it and everything like that. And even though you may not be the one cooking it yourself, you might be able to go and pick up the ingredients because you've had it so many times. You just kind of know what's going to be in that cake. I feel like this Mm -hmm. is the same thing for like action movies. Like, like if you have seen enough action movies, you already know what this is probably going to have in it. Like there's a MacGuffin, there's an item or there's something, there's an artifact, there's a stone or there's something like that that we need to get. And if evil gets it, bad things happen. So the good guys have to keep the, the, the bad guys from getting the thing that is totally in this movie. Um, uh, a, a good guy character that is consumed by vengeance because of a dark past and is trying to uh, get revenge on some, on something that happened in his past um, or a loved one that was lost in the past. And now this person is trying to get revenge. Mm. Sure. It's in this movie. Uh <laughs> A, 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 a rival, a person who is um, on a similar wavelength of the main character, but they don't really know if they can trust each other and there's kind of a back and forth and they may become friends, but ultimately in the end, they, they have different motivations and stuff like that. It's in here. Uh, a female character who kind of doesn't like the main character at first, but ultimately, by the end of the journey, he grows on this female character that doesn't like him. It's mm-hmm. in here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like, I mean, if you run down the, All the scenarios, the, yeah, like you run down, you look at these basic ingredients for just your cookie cutter action movie. It, you're probably going if you threw a darts at a wall of all these little action movie ingredients you're probably going to land on something that was in this movie so <laughs> i guess so i guess that's kind of the reason why i'm i'm like it's not good like like it doesn't do anything stand out but i guess what it does do well is like we said i think henry golding just elevates a lot of it you know, we've seen yeah. this character before, but I haven't seen him as this character. And I, I just like the way he portrayed the character. I, I like the way he did. I'm consumed by revenge. And I guess we're in the spoiler section, so I don't know why I'm kind of still being evasive about it. But anyway, his father is killed. So and he and he basically and it's pretty tragic, dies in front of him, everything like that. So, you know, we're the kid we were a kid when our dad died so now we're bowing revenge and everything like that so that's kind of who we are but henry golden does bring something to this performance one nuanced thing that i think he did that i really liked about this is that there's the constant there is the constant story with this character where he's um he's with this ninja group 
society. He's trying to go through the trials and try to become a part of that and stuff like that. But also there's this ulterior motive and he's working with this other group of henchmen that are trying to get close to this stone, this MacGuffin, this thing that has the power of the sun. And if you have it, you can become all powerful. He's infiltrating this group, trying to help out these henchmen. And the reason why he's helping out the henchmen is because they're going to help him get revenge for his doc and for his father. He, they're going to deliver him his father's killer. So there's this constant back and forth with this character of, should I be doing this? You know, these people that I am deceiving are good people. And you can really feel kind of the crossroads that the character is, happen- is having because of Henry Golding's performance. He was very good at that. He was very good at being this person who, while he's consumed by revenge, there is a good part of him. You feel like there's good in him. And he realizes that these, 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 this ninja society, these people that hit the snake clan, I'm going to call them just for lack of a better term. He knows that they're good people. And you and you can see that that really and, and they can see the good nature in him. And I think that that was played well by the cast, that back and forth of what should I do or should I do this or uh, should I be- deceive these people or should I join these people? I thought that was done very well. Yeah. And I don't know, like, it's just a really interesting thing about this because like we said, Henry Golding really does like, I mean, he really does his damnedest to like (laughs) make this a good performance in a good movie. Like he really tries everything he can to make this an interesting and captivating movie. (laughs) Um, Sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't though, but I don't think that's his lack of ability to make something interesting. I think it's just the very surface level almost kind of stale script probably or story you know what i mean like it's it's very like predictable in a lot of ways or just very much like not new it's it's not original he does everything he can i feel like to try and make this something different or something better like you said, like I think he elevates the material a little bit, but I just don't think that script allows him to do much with it more than what he did. So I can't mm-hmm. really fault him for not having a better performance because I think what he did with it was pretty much the best that he could really kind of do given the material that he had to work with in a sense. Um, because even if you think about like the dynamics he has with the other characters, um, with Tommy, with the sister, Akiko, like just their dynamics together was probably the more interesting parts of the movie, honestly. Cause it's not like yeah. the action sequences stick out. It's really just like, you know, you, you want to know what's going to happen between the relationships with him and the other people he's around, if that makes sense. Um, or at least that's how I feel. But it's super weird because as much as he does make this movie better than it is on its own, I do also feel like his character didn't really learn anything. (laughs) Like 
he he's on his revenge <laughs> kick, right? And like he has this whole thing in his mind of I need to be on revenge. And then he clearly gets to know Tommy and Tommy's family. And um obviously you could tell he feels a kinship with them. And he 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 wants to be a part of that. But there's still the other side of him that's like, yeah, but I'm still going to screw them over because I really want to know who's go- who killed my father and I want to be able to be the one to kill him. And that's pretty much, the <laughs> whole, you know what I'm saying? Like throughout the whole yeah. thing, that's the thing. And even when, thing. yeah, like even when it comes to the the point when he has to make that big decision of like, okay, I have this this stone, this thing that you're looking for and I can choose to not give it to you and be the better person, but you know what? Then he, what does he say? He's like, this is not my fight. It's like, but you're really kind of choosing it is your fight because you gave them the gym or the stone anyway, <laughs> you know? And, and yeah. then all of that for nothing, because he ends up deciding like, I don't want to kill this guy, which is great. So I guess in a sense, he did learn that his anger and his, you know, wanting to get even with the person who killed his father, it wasn't going to be worth it because he didn't kill him. But at the same time, like, it didn't really feel like he showed remorse for kind of backstabbing Tommy and his family. Like, even after that, you feel like he was just kind of like, well, I guess I kind of got to help him out now. It's sort of my fault. You know what I mean? But there's never like a conversation yeah. had about it. You know what I mean? Where it's like, I shouldn't have done this. I betrayed you and I'm sorry. And at the end, Tommy's the one who gets screwed over and not Snake Eyes. And so, yeah, he you know gets what I mean? banished. Yes, he's he gets banished, banished for just having just a like, moment mm, of yeah. weakness, <laughs> a, a smidgen of weakness. Yes. He, I mean, Tommy just had a moment of weakness. Right. Snake Eyes had weaknesses and was having mm-hmm. moments of betraying the whole movie, and he didn't get banished. Yeah. He just <laughs> has a true. moment of like, Snake Eyes, you screwed me over. And he just kind of looks at him like, this is a shame. This sucks and it's not what I wanted, but it's just kind of like a, this look, like it's not even like a conversation had, you know, it's not even like on a deeper level thing that you get from it. It's just like, well, I screwed him over and now he's kicked out and I guess I got to make it right now. Like that's kind of how the story goes when I feel like they could have done so much more with that storyline, you know, and especially if you're trying to make it where Snake Eyes is sort of the protagonist of the story make him a little bit more remorseful for his actions or make it seem like he actually learned a little bit of a lesson of, you know what? I don't need to betray these people. These people are my family now. Like make that a more clear, you know, moral that you're trying to tell in this, which I don't feel like it really, it's kind of there, but they don't really kind of drive it home. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think you definitely have a point because like, the first half of the movie, or at least the first, like, uh, you know, yeah, I, I guess you could say half. The first half of the movie, you do feel like the character is kind of at this crossroads, mm-hmm. but he's still doing the betraying, you know, and you're right. Like, when, then when you get to the, then when you get towards the end, and this is why the narrative is just, it just feels so disjointed because, like, mm. He has all this back and forth and you feel and you see and you sense that he is getting closer to these people, Tommy and the sister and everyone like that. You sense that he's getting closer to them. He's winning them over. I mean, hell, he's even passing these trials 
to become this yeah. warrior. And these are supposed to be like the, the, you know, the, the, the biggest trials in order for you to be a part of the snake clan, you have to really be able to go through these trials and you got to be pure of heart and you got to, and the, the tests are designed to weed out your true intentions and stuff like that. And it's just amazing that he was able to pass those tests. He was able to just figure them out and everything like that, even though he was actively betraying them at the time. So Mm -hmm. it kind of minimized those tests. You know, it kind of minimized those tests. If the guy can be betraying you and passing them at the same time, you you know what I mean? Um, Right. so, So that was a little disjointed to me too. And then, like you said, it was so weird how everyone just kept forgiving him. Like no matter what, I, I, I mean, yeah, no matter what they just forgave him. Like he st- clearly stole the stone and um, had it in his hand and she saw him and could have killed them, but she couldn't, you know, she had, she had now had feelings for him and everything and kind of was forget, you know, the sister had mm-hmm. that moment where maybe she could have stopped him, but you know, she had a moment of weakness. She yeah. couldn't because, you know, so it was almost like he was forgiven for that. Then immediately, you know, Tommy is like, Oh, when I see him, I'm going to kill him. And then we have that opportunity, but some people drive up and it's like, well, I guess we got to team up now. And it's like, right. It's just over. Like, like the, the wanting to kill him or the wanting to, do something to him for doing for causing this right in the first place uh is just over and now they're teaming up and everything like that and like you said it was it felt it was so jarring at the end of that when tommy is the one banished from the clan just because he held the stone had a moment of weakness and used it to stop the bad guy he's banished from the clan but (laughs) The one who stole it is actually fine. (laughs) Yeah. And the one who stole it, you just, like you said, the point wasn't driven home. You never felt like any real punishment came to him. Mm. And and like you said, uh, whenever he is confronted with the person who killed his father, for him to in that moment, not do it. It just felt kind of cheap. Like yeah. I, I, there, there had to have been a better way to do that because he had but did all this betraying and he was so sure about it and everything like that. But we, we, like you said, we needed to see the remorse. We needed to see him. We needed to have, he needed to have a conversation with someone and say, I realized that I was wrong to yeah. do this. And I realized that, that, that this is not the way. And now you people, you know, I may have lost my family back then, but you people have become my family. You know, this ordeal has changed me. So you know what? I don't care about the murder anymore, but make it be something like he didn't care anymore, but he got that, but he got Cobra too close to the stone. He got him too close. Mm -hmm. He did too much. So even though he learned his lesson, it was too little too late. But don't have him hand deliver the stone and then turn around and 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 want to team up and help the people who he screwed over. You know, the, right. you're right. That was just 
It just was not the way to do this. There there was just a better way to do it, and they did not have it. And so at the end, it totally came off as kind of laughable. The way that that all ended, yeah, yeah, it, it felt <laughs> like agree. a like a missed opportunity to make it so much better than it could have been. But yeah, you're right because it's also like, I mean, again, Henry Golding did his absolute best to make this character what it was, you know. But it, it just it almost made it hard to root for him as the hero or the good guy of the story because everyone around him kept getting screwed over. <laughs> everybody but him kind of got like the short end of the sick almost and you're just like well how does that work you know what i mean and so it, it really like as much as he he's not a like specifically bad guy like what he did yes of course like he betrayed them and he shouldn't have done that and he tried to make it right by helping them in the end teaming up to get the other guy or whatever but at the same time it was very it was a very cheap kind of letdown of there was this whole buildup of the revenge that he wanted and he betrayed everybody to get it. And then he didn't even follow through with it and it just didn't pay off. And it just makes it just slightly harder to root for him because you feel like one, he didn't really learn any sort of real lesson and he kind of screwed over the people that he actually cared most about and he didn't apologize for it. You know, you don't feel like he really felt the effects of what he had done to the people around him. So, yeah. Yeah. And then his reward is he gets to be, he's going to join the G.I. Joe. And this is supposed (laughs) to be a good guy character who did all of this. And yeah, and, and that's, and that's what's so crazy about it because Tommy, who winds up becoming Storm Shadow, which that was at the the end credits, mm. is like the rival to Snake Eyes. That's kind of the big rivalry in the uh um in the comic books and in the cartoon. And so you got Snake Eyes over here, the black ninja, and you got Storm Shadow, which is the white ninja, which is why Tommy was wearing white and stuff most of the time. Yeah. It's kind of that precursor that he's going to be this white ninja that's bad. But when you watch this movie, Tommy seemed like the good one. He was the one mm-hmm. that got screwed over. He was the one that, you know, just uh, that that trusted Snake Eyes, and it didn't quite go like that. So it's just such a weird dynamic because in this movie, you uh, I, I wound up feeling sorry for Storm Shadow. Yeah, for and sure. I'm wondering why Snake Eyes, you know, just got the reward in the end. So, yeah, I totally agree. There was a better way to do this and they did not have it. And mm. yeah, he did so many deplorable things. You did need to see some remorse or some punishment or something. You you needed to see some sort of arc, and you don't really feel like there there was a strong one. So yeah, you're 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 absolutely right about that. You know, for sure. And I do actually think that um, the guy who played Hardmaster, I liked him. I thought he was good. I thought he was underutilized. You know, I think that because of just his, yeah. his skill set. And what he brought, like, they definitely could have used him more in different parts of the movie. Um, But also, in general, I think that, like, the whole, the test that he had to do to kind of prove himself, that Snake Eyes had to do, I mean, it was kind of, like, anticlimactic, in a way. Like, um, 
just like kind of like what you were alluding to with the whole water in the bowl test that they did where it <laughs> yeah. just became a little more of like you don't have to fight to get this to happen you know like whatever that lesson was but i just feel like yeah. none of the lessons were really anything to do with like skill set of like fighting and being a warrior and a soldier and i feel like they could have used an opportunity to do a lot more like cool fighting scenes or like training and learning how to be a better fighter and some cool stuff with that. And it was really just tests of will or morale. And I get that that's important, but it just felt like for a movie of what this was should have had a little bit more of the the action and like the training and the whatever, like the big test that he had to pass was, you know, three or two huge snakes in a pit that he had to make sure didn't kill him or eat him. Like, <laughs> why is that the final test? Like, I feel like that's, yeah. it's very anticlimactic of what you feel like this movie is going to be about because it's snake eyes and it's GI Joe and it's action. And none of the tests really had anything to do with that. Man, that is such a great point. And like, I mean, okay, guys, we get it. We know the movie's called Snake Eyes. We know the character is Snake Eyes. But do we need all the snake coincidences? Right. Did the did the did, did the father's killer have to roll dice and go Snake Eyes and then kill him? And also, you know, like, why would we have his to name have be Snake Eyes too? Like, if <laughs> if you're if your name is Snake Eyes because you're getting revenge on a guy who killed your dad because he rolled Snake Eyes. Why would you want that to be your name? Like, I don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. How did that, why would he want that name? Right. If that was the scenario that caused the snake eyes, like, why would he want that? Like, and then it was never explained by the character. Maybe if it was some sort of ironic thing, you know, yeah. I named myself that because it's a constant reminder. I need to kill that guy or something, but we never even got that explanation yeah, from the nothing. character himself. You know, it was just like, I'm named this because the movie says I'm named this. That That's what it yeah. felt like. And like all the snake coincidences. So the, the killer road snake eyes. So my name is snake <laughs> eyes. Then there are these, then the name of the group has snakes and Cobra, you know, yeah. there's, yeah, and the, yeah, and then like at the end, there's a pit with three snakes, and I gotta. And you're right. What did any of that have to do with being like pure of heart or being able to be in this ninja society and stuff like that? Uh, I mean, why are you just having giant snakes? <laughs> and also, just like that lesson <laughs> though, too, where she's like, "Oh, you've got to empty your heart out," and like. It was a very poor and lacking explanation of what that test was even supposed to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I don't even understand. Like, yeah, it, it was just like, it, it almost felt like this was the writing of someone who just watches a bunch of martial arts movies and kind of <laughs> read a Cliff's Notes on japanese or culture or asian culture and just decided oh when they say these things this is what we can put these things in here and it'll be cool but they're not seeing how all that goes together if these are ninjas ninjas are trained assassins so how could the first lesson be humility and generosity 
how does that make sense? Can, <laughs> please give me the water bowl. Okay. Is a ninja using generosity and kindness when they are slashing somebody's head off? Like, I don't know. I just don't get why would that have been something that a ninja needs to learn? How does humility and generosity help an assassin? You know, that that's just <laughs> so strange to me. You know, that's oh, yeah. just so strange to me. And then on top of that, did he really learn the lesson because he was, you know, spying on him and screwing him yeah. over and was really just only consumed with revenge and worrying about himself, you know? So th- that's the other part of it. But yeah, I agree. Those tests were just kind of silly, you know? And I don't understand how do these big snakes know that you're able to be a ninja? Like, how do the snakes know? <laughs> yeah. What explain are they magic snakes? Like yeah. what is it? Like what how does this work? Yeah, exactly. That's the whole thing. It's like this big test at the end where she's like, you know, this is the hardest challenge and all these things. And it's like, but why? Like, what are these snakes? Why do you have these snakes? <laughs> what do these snakes do? Why can they read your minds and know your your heart and the purity of your heart? <laughs> what is happening? I don't even know, you know? <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. And it was supposed to be like a huge deal, you know? I know. It was like the biggest thing. And then they even went back to the snake pit later. And he was able to survive. You know, the snake was like, oh, your heart's pure now. I would have ate you then, but... uh, Now that you're bringing someone else here to also die, your heart is definitely pure. Like, what is their standard? (laughs) I don't know what their standard is. It's so weird. But yeah, yeah, like that was, yeah, that was just, man, that was just, yeah, that was just very silly. And when you really, really think about it with logic, it just doesn't go together. And like, and yeah, and see, these are the kinds of inconsistencies and things like that, that really just keep this from being. And this is why, like, we're both like, eh, it's not good because that it, it had too many things like this that are just obviously strangely <laughs> sometimes yeah. just wrong with it, you know? And like you said, I think you said something great there um, earlier when you said this could have been spent showing some real training. This yeah. could have been spent. The time could have been spent showing him going through some real trials and really getting you to understand how hard it is to be a ninja and learning how to use stealth Mm. and stuff like that. And like one of the staples of the snake eyes character, and I'll just tell you this, and this is for people who have no idea what GI Joe is and stuff like that. But one of the things about the snake eyes character is that, um, on what winds up happening to the character. And this is, and I don't know if the movies are going to follow this, but this is comic book cartoon stuff. Um, he winds up on the fir- on his first mission. He does join the GI Joes, so he is a good guy. He when he winds up uh, on his first mission with the GI Joes, he like gets his face horribly disfigured and everything like that, and he loses his ability to talk. So Snake mm. Eyes is a mute um, in the GI Joe uh, universe and everything like that. 
And he's all about stealth. He's all about being quiet, sneaking into a place undetected. And that's what makes him an awesome character in the comics and the and the cartoons is because he's so difficult to detect. He can't easily be detected at all. And he's known for being able to slip into tight places and slip into impossible places and come out alive. That's what makes Snake Eyes great. And it would have been awesome if some of those trials dealt with the stealth. Like if it was about him learning how to be quiet and learning how to be silent and learning how to be sneaky and stuff like that. And then you got to see him sort of utilize some of those skills. I mean, I'm not expecting him to have the accident in this movie and lose his voice and and get a disfigured face, but it sure would have been nice if the silence, especially being that this was a ninja clan he was infiltrating, it sure would have been nice to have had some ode to silence in those trials. And again, you know, it's just another missed opportunity with this whole thing you know yeah i mean even if they would have done like i get having like that moral test or whatever like the test when they did where it was like you know he had to kind of face the thing that he was most scared of like that whole thing that he did i get that even if it had been like two tests of training and like skill and martial arts and things like that and then the one test at the end of you know facing your worst fear is like your biggest test that would have been fine too. That would have made sense. Yeah, that test makes more sense than being in a pit of snakes and making sure they don't kill you. <laughs> like I would have been <laughs> fine with that. It just the way that they organized this and tried to execute it just didn't work. You know, um, I I don't know. That's just me, but I just feel like it, it was yeah wasted opportunities to show more training and skills and. Things like that, especially because isn't his whole thing like he's very stealthy and very all of this. And it's like, well, how did he learn that? And I mean, and I know this is supposed to be like an origin of Snake Eyes. And we get the beginning of it where his father dies and he has this vengeance that he wants on the guy who killed him. But then like it kind of cuts from him seeing his dad killed to he's kind of doing, what is it just like? not really boxing matches, but fighting matches in in a sense. And it's like, okay, so where did that come from? Like what happened to you between the time you saw your dad killed to this point where the GI Joe people find you, you know what I mean? (laughs) What happened in between there? Like, how did you get to where you were? Like, where did you end up? Like it just, it didn't, it kind of skipped some steps to explain more of who snake eyes was before they just went straight into the subplot in a way, you know? Um, yeah. And, and how did you become wasted. such an efficient fighter? Like, right. <laughs> how, how were you so such an efficient fighter before you even trained with the ninjas? Like that army of people came and him and Tommy fended off that army of people with swords and everything right. like that. And this was when he was just a guy doing fights street Mm -hmm. fighting and stuff like that or as far as we know he was a street fighter because like you said they didn't fill in those blanks they didn't tell us anything other than that so when he was a guy he could handle armies of fighters and stuff like that when he was just a guy so i mean Mm -hmm. 
so, so you didn't get the transition of, oh man, you know, he's reckless and everything like that. And that would have been such a cool contrast to have him go from this loud, reckless fighter to this quiet, stealthy, yep. methodical, oh, yeah. you know, that would have fighter. been a better story. And yeah, and if you saw the differences and everything like that, and yeah, exactly what you said about the second test where he had to overcome his 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 fears and everything, that should have been the last one. Yeah. That should have been the one that he couldn't pass because mm. really he didn't pass it, you know, until we got to the end because he was so consumed by revenge. That should have been the one that he couldn't pass. That's true. His father's killer yeah. and being consumed about him and stuff like that. It shouldn't have been the snakes <laughs> would have ate me. It should have been that, you know? Yeah. And in a better written script, you would have done these things. <laughs> no, and you know? that's true because so. I agree that it should have been the last test. But what you said too about like he didn't even actually pass it. Like they touched on it and they touched on this is what your issue is. This is what's holding you back. But it didn't become like this. I have to do a soul searching thing to really get past it and forgive and, you know, be better than it because he still wanted that revenge. So that test was for nothing except to reveal what his weakness was, <laughs> you know, like that's what it felt like yeah. in a way. It just, yeah. you're right in a better script. It would have made more sense and it would have been more relatable. It would have been put together in a much better way. And, and I also just think, like we've talked a lot in other episodes about just the convenience factor of some of these things. And man, I feel like <laughs> this movie is so heavily relying on convenience factors. Like even with the whole, you know, he saves Tommy and then you find out later that he's working with the guy to, you know, because he wants to know who killed his father. He wants that guy to be handed over to him. But it's like, how did you know that what he was going to put you through was just like basically fighting all these guys and you could have been killed? And you know what I mean? It's just like the convenience of like, how did you know all these things were going to happen? How did you know that like that situation was going to arise to where you would need to save his life and whatever? I mean, I guess technically he's working with the guy who set it up, but even still, I just feel like they really like, sending all the guys after him. It's like, how did he know he was going to survive all that? If they sent every single one of those guys to come after him, yeah. if, if it's a setup of some sort, it's like, how did you know he would actually survive all that? Like what is, it's a convenience factor, you know? And another thing that was driving me crazy was when, um, oh, what was the, was it Kinta? Was that the guy's name? The bad guy? Um, yeah, yeah, Kinta. Kinta. Yeah, when he finally had that stone or that thing, was it a stone? It was a stone, I guess, right? Um, when he finally, yeah, we'll had call that, it the sunstone. The sunstone because we'll it, had, it had the power of the sun or so. How, yes. how, which, how would it have that anyway? Right. <laughs> Go yeah. ahead. How would you even all be alive with having even a piece of that? But, um, <laughs> <laughs> but like. Yeah, it was a very controlled stone, too. Like, it just chose when it wanted to... I don't know. Anyways, um, <laughs> it just when he had control of that, when he had it, and it was just like, you know, he got it, it right away as soon as he got it from Snake Eyes, and he was like, here, let me test it out. And he just randomly killed that dude, you know, just to see the power of the stone and if it actually worked and if it was real. 
and all this stuff. And like his whole thing was he wanted revenge and the downfall of Tommy's clan. And he had so many opportunities to actually destroy them with that stone and he did not do it. <laughs> like he's yeah. standing there in front of the, the grandma, you know, and he's just like, Oh, I'm going to get you, you know, with the stone. And like in the time that she's like moving around and like in the time that he's figuring out what's happening in front of him with the people that are coming after him, he could have killed all of them with just like here stone in your face. You're dead. And he didn't do that in any scenario when he could have done it. And I just feel like (laughs) that's a convenience thing. It's like you wanted that lead up moment because it's like in any other case, he would have not even waited that long to make a move on it. He wouldn't have just been like, here, let me scare you with the fires around you. If he really wanted to destroy that clan, he would have just killed the grandma immediately with that zone. You know what I mean? Like, man, that's so true. Like, it was just so contrived. And like, we, and, and so it just feels so like cheap, right? Like, yeah. because you're right. I mean, the fact that, yeah, and like you said, not even going to get into the fact that how did he know how to use this? Right. How can you grab a stone and shoot mental beams or whatever, mental flaming Unleash beams and all this it. stuff yeah. like that? Like, how do you just look at something and go, flame it and then it just works or whatever like and not even to even get into that but like it seemed like he could shoot you from anywhere with this stone he could he was i mean one time he from a distance he shot at the at one at the pagoda or whatever and it just exploded instantly it was like it didn't matter what distance you were or how big the structure was and everything like that whatever he imagined needed to be on fire it was just on fire and you're so right you said it before i could like when he when it got to the final moments and he had all of them practically lined up in an assembly line where he could just vaporize everyone he does it and he has so many chances you're right he has (laughs) so many chances in this fight like there was a part where they were just all lined up with each other he was standing there with the stone had an army around him and they're all standing there like, yeah, let's fight. And they walk up to each other and I'm like, shoot him. Right. Just, just activate the stone. Right. Just shoot him. And he just wouldn't. He just wouldn't. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It was so funny. Yeah. It was so Oh, that was hilarious. And kind of what you said before too, about how like when it came to a head with Tommy and snake eyes and their, you know, on the the motorcycle and the vehicles and they're on the road and they're like fighting each other. And then Tommy like is pretty much right there at snake eyes. And he could just, he's like, I'm going to kill you with all the rage and just explaining his rage instead of doing something about it. (laughs) And it's like, you know, and then snake eyes is like, Oh, but so-and-so really needs our help. Or I don't even remember what he said, basically just saying like, we, I think, Oh, his sister, right. Akiko, I think needed their help. And so he's like, Oh, we got to help her. And then, like, he put all this rage, and he's like, okay, fine. And he just puts that rage away (laughs) when it's like, you could have been like, I'll go help her myself. You're dead. I hate you. Boom. But just convenience factor of, like, all right, let's put aside our differences, even though I'm, like, right here at your throat, and I'm very angry at you. But you say one word to me about, but we should team up to help your sister. Okay. (laughs) Just real convenience factor all over the place in this movie. And, you know, it's just funny. And like, 
I also really, I know we're talking about a lot of negatives about this movie, which makes me wonder why we're still like, it's okay. (laughs) We really only talked about the negatives of this movie. But another thing (laughs) too is like, with Scarlet, isn't she technically like a really big, like, character in G.I. Joe? Like, she's a pretty important character and she could not be more of a side character in this story. And that could yeah. also be because, you know, maybe she's not technically super involved in the Snake Eyes storyline, which is fine. But I'm just like, if that's the case, like, what was the point of her at all? I almost feel like she was a non-factor, which is upsetting and just sad, really, because if she's a main G.I. Joe, you make her a side character and almost a non-factor in this movie altogether. Like, even her scene when she's like, oh, hold on. And she's, like, FaceTiming as she's fighting these guys as if that's, like, a thing that someone would do. But, like, you know, like, (laughs) just even that. And that's, I mean, you get a very vague explanation of who she even is. And then she suddenly just appears out of nowhere after about an hour of not even being in it. And, like, she just appears again. And she's just there to help everybody somehow. But you just, you, she's not explained. She's not really utilized super well. And she's just, she becomes like the biggest side character in this entire thing. And she's not even the strongest female character in this movie. And she's supposed to be a big time deal for G.I. Joe, you know? And it's upsetting. And it's kind of like, why did you do it that way? Like, I don't know. It was just super weird, you know? Yeah. I mean, she probably would have been better served to have been right at the end where when he, where the offer is made to him to join the GI Joes, she should have been the one that he met and been like, I'm Scarlet, you know, I'm blah, 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 second general this or whatever of the GI Joes. And we're here to make you an offer. And maybe the movie could have ended with it being like a cameo. Like, so then the audience, so then your fans could have been like, oh, you know, oh shit, that's Char- that Scarlet, you know what I mean? Mm. Or something like that. Maybe it would have been better served in that way. But you're mm-hmm. right. The way that they did it here where they introduce her and it's like, well, who is Scarlet? Oh, she's <laughs> part of the GI Joes. The GI Joes are good people. They save the world and they're, they're this super task force of guy of, of guys and gals and they're awesome and they save the world and they're trying to rid the world of Cobra. What's Cobra? Well, Cobra is a terrorist organization <laughs> and they're hell bent on taking over the world. So they're the bad guys and the GI Joes are the good guys. That was literally what we got about Scarlet. That was the exposition that we got about G.I. Joe and Cobra. And if that's all you were going to do, you didn't have to do it. Just let that be kind of something that comes in at the end. Or, you know, like whenever he's, when he sees the cargo boxes and there's the Cobra symbol on them, that was enough. You probably (laughs) didn't have to have the the Baroness in there and all of that stuff. You know, the other chick with the glasses and everything. You probably didn't need to have them in there. You could have alluded that Cobra was part of this, but let's just leave them for later. If there are going to be later movies, you didn't have to force feed those characters in there. Like I said, I think, yeah. You know, that could have been a cameo at the end. Or whenever our um, Kenta guy failed, there could have been somebody watching it on a video screen. And that could have been 
her. That could have been the Baroness. And she could have been like, damn it, you know, and she's talking to Cobra Commander like Cobra Commander, he failed, you know, so we're not going to be able to get the Sunstone. You know, they could have had a conversation and he could have told her, "Okay, I guess we arrived too late. Let's just report. It's okay. He was expendable anyway. I was going to kill him anyway. Let's just just head back to base. And so you could have had cameos of them where you didn't really explain them that much they didn't have to be in it that much and you could have gave each of those characters a little cameo and that's it i don't think you needed to shoehorn the man and explain mm-hmm. them in a, in 30 seconds and then try to have them do something which really they did nothing you yeah. know i mean and I, I totally agree with that and then and like samara weaving who plays scarlet she's fantastic she's a great actress i love i loved her in ready or not you know, I loved her in Bill and Ted. Um, she's fantastic. And so she's kind of like the Joseph Gordon-Levitt of this movie where she was just wasted. Like mm-hmm. they could have used her in such a greater way. Or if they're going to just write the character the way they did, just don't use her at all. And like you said, just do a cameo at the end of like, it's going to lead up to this or something. Like it just yeah. was not done it's nothing about this movie was really executed very well at all. Um, I did think it was kind of funny though. Like when, you know, they are all lined up and they're kind of heading off against Kinta and his men. I did think it was funny that they're all like all ready to be prepared to fight. And then, um, Scarlet and Baroness are just like, Oh, okay, cool. And they just kill everybody with like the guns and stuff and the weapons they have. I did think that was funny because it almost felt like they were sort of making fun of, you know, what was happening in the situation where it's like, let's get prepared to fight. And it's like, yeah, we're just going to kill you right now. I did think that was pretty clever how they put that in there. And there's moments like that. And also it's a very beautiful movie. Like the the cinematography is great. Um, Just the, the scenery, you know, when they're in Tommy's, you know, hometown or his land and just his home and everything about where he lived was beautiful. And so there are some good elements to this. And when they had the fighting elements, again, they weren't top notch, the greatest thing I've ever seen, but they weren't bad. They were enjoyable enough for you to be like, oh, I I wonder what's going to happen here. You know, so there are some definitely good elements that they had to it, but nothing great, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's why we fall in the half and half with it, because those elements are on point. It does have a good look to it. It does feel like it's of higher quality than, you know, your lower level action movies and stuff like that. And like you said, the, the cinematography is good. I remember that fight in the, in the town, um, in the city where they're in the alleys and it's very like close quarters, kind of claustrophobic and they're fighting each other in those little narrow hallways and stuff. I thought that that was probably out of the fight scenes. That was probably one of my favorite Mm. ones. It definitely, it nothing stood out so much about the fighting, but it did have some good cinematography and they were doing some cool camera shots where like you'd see one character on top of a building up here, but then another character's running through um, the, the narrow hall, the narrow alley and he's sword fighting down here. And then it took the camera turns. And then uh, this other character is walking uh, and, you know, over here this way. I thought that they did some cool stuff with that scene. 
you know, I in agree. general. Yeah. Um, but that was one of the better scene, fighting scenes of the movie. But yeah, like we said, you know, it looks good. It has a good appearance. And like we said, when those actors and actresses were mainly when um, Snake Eyes, Tommy, and the sister, mainly when it's them just acting and you're get, and you get those kind of genuine moments with the characters, that's when the movie excels. And I think it's those things that just keep you from saying that it's just absolutely awful or it's just a dumpster fire. It's those elements. What it does yeah. well, it did do well enough for you to acknowledge it. It's just that, man, we just did not stick the landing on the writing of the story, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. No, I totally get that. And honestly, like, again, even with Snake Eyes character, there are some elements that were really, you know, I mean, you get why he is an interesting character. But at the same time, the way he was written in this specific film, you you don't you don't root for him as much as you want to. And you should be doing that in a story of snake eyes. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, I just think honestly, if anybody, but Henry Golding had played snake eyes, it would not have been even to the same caliber of okayness that it was, <laughs> you know, like he really did his absolute mm-hmm. best to make that character the best he could on the the script and the story he was given, he really did the best he could. And even still, that was only okay. And that's upsetting. But again, any other caliber of acting from some other actor leading this, it wouldn't have been as good. Like something about what Henry Golding did really makes you still captivated enough by this character to want to watch what happens and i just think that it's rare for especially with a story written so poorly in general you don't you're not going to care about the character as much with somebody that's of a lesser talent playing the character yeah that's a great point and again it just kind of goes to show that sometimes charm and charisma can go a long way so oh for sure you know uh so yeah the casting uh crew definitely did their job well because uh, this movie is well casted you know for sure it's just not quite uh well written but 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 i think that yeah that that's kind of where it is but yeah henry golden i think we both agree he's good you know he's a good actor and you know i'm excited to see where the totality of his career goes because he is good you know he's proven already that he can do different things and i think it's only a matter of time if he keeps going i mean i'm sure that it's only a matter of time before he lands something just ultra successful because he seems like somebody capable of that uh for sure so anything else on Snake Eyes? I think I am all good. Perfect. All right. Let's move along to old. Did, did, was there a sound effect for that? That June sound effect or whatever he had for. Oh, yeah, I got you. Boom. Ah, there it is. <laughs> all right. Making the transition um, to talking about. M. Night Shyamalan's newest romp, 
old. So again, we're going to talk about what we like, disliked, and everything in between. Um, we're going to start with non-spoilers. So Heather, what did you think of this M. Night Shyamalan old? Ooh, <laughs> so many thoughts <laughs> about this, yet at the same time, not enough words to really describe how I feel about this one. Um, well, I, I cannot with confidence say that this is one of Shyamalan's better films. <laughs> um, it has some, I mean, there are some twists, of course, in this, um, that are interesting. Um, I, I didn't get excited about the twist or the ending of this movie the way that I have in past Shyamalan films. Not all of them, of course, but some of them. So this is, um, it's, it's really strange because I feel like a, a, like the movies we're talking about this week are very much just kind of middle of the road. <laughs> um, it is, it's a kind of creepy story. I mean, it's definitely a haunting and it's supposed to be a little bit of like a thriller and it's got, it's supposed to have those creepy elements to it based off of what it is. Um, mm -hmm. but just sort of the way that they kind of tell part of the stories, like in a very nonchalant way in areas where it should be a little less nonchalant <laughs> and just in general, the execution again of this one is very just meh, you know, um, we, we, I mean, I don't quite hate it as much as I'm sure Sterling probably would if he was on the episode right now. <laughs> but it is, I, I wasn't, I couldn't get fully on board with this one. And I really kind of wanted to be a little bit more on board with it, especially because my man, Alex Wolf is in this movie. And Alex Wolf is like, for me, I feel like he is the future of just acting talent. I think Alex Wolf is fantastic. Um, especially when you see him in like hereditary or, the yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer story or my friend Dahmer is what it's called movies like that, where you're like this guy, he has got some super crazy skills. He's so good and phenomenal. And not to say he was specifically bad in this role. It was just, again, <laughs> he, he definitely elevated this character beyond what it really kind of was in general. Um, and it's just unfortunate because I just really lately have noticed and started to dislike more than normal how much movies or writers or storytellers misuse or underutilize or don't do justice to the actors that are in the story. <laughs> and, um, and that's not just him. I mean, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of talent in this film. I mean, Vicki Kripes, who is playing the mom is phenomenal. Um, Thomas and McKenzie, who was also in Jojo rabbit is super great in this, honestly. Um, you know, and even uh, Gael Garcia Bernal obviously is great. Like there's a lot of great talent. Abby Lee, who was in, um, what is it? Lovecraft country. Like there's just a lot of people that are really great in this, in this movie telling a very like 
lacking story, you know? Um, it just, it, it, again, this movie had potential. There were so many things that they could have done to make this on that, you know, cusp of being a really interesting thriller, but because of just some of the execution of it and just some of the content of the movie in general just made it very like, oh, okay, this movie is just sort of whatever. And that was kind of my feeling throughout most of it. I will say the latter half of the movie was better than the beginning half of the movie. Um, But still, again, my overall takeaway from it is that it's just okay. Not Shyamalan's worst, but definitely not Shyamalan's best. Kind of middle of the road of Shyamalan films, (laughs) if you will. And also middle of the road, just general film. Yeah, I guess one of us should have just done the podcast today because we're pretty much um, having <laughs> similar opinions on both of them. Um, it could probably could have just been one of us. No, I'm kidding. But um, but no, I actually do um, agree as far as where you put it, where you're putting this M. Night Shyamalan movie, because it is probably middle of the road for Shyamalan. It's definitely not one of his worst movies. Um but there are just things that happened. I feel like it's a, the, the narrative's a little disjointed and it's just not quite as impactful. You know, ultimately it didn't hit me like some of his better movies hit. It definitely didn't hit like the sixth sense or signs or split or anything like that. You know, it just doesn't hit like that ultimately, you know, w- when it's all said and done. And a lot of, Shimalon movies, I think the ones that you like the most are the ones that really kind of get you at the end. And I don't know if this grabbed me like that. There were moments where it was, though. I will say that. There are moments where I think the tension is good. There are moments where I think it's well shot. And then there are other moments where I'm like, well, why are we way over here? I can't see what the (laughs) character's acting. Um, and, and then there are parts where you're, you're really intrigued by the story it's telling. And then there are parts where you're like, whoa, I don't know why he did that. Or, well, that was an abrupt change in tone. You know, then there are parts like that. And then there are thing parts where the dialogue is kind of, I think, strange. Like <laughs> characters say things, but they say them in a situation where you're like, well, would he really say that here or right? <laughs> would that really matter in this situation? I don't know. So, and I guess some of that may have been played for laughs. Like he was going for dark humor, but to me, it didn't always land. And I'm sitting there going, uh, that was kind of man. Shimalan, you shouldn't have had that line, man. That, that kind of ruined the mood for me. So there was stuff like that. Like it's just one of those movies where, And like one thing I can say about M. Night Shyamalan is that, I mean, the man does have interesting ideas and you almost feel like, I mean, I I guess Sterling feels way different than I do on this, but you almost feel like you have to see his movies because at least there's a presentation of interesting ideas, you know, and he takes these horror elements, but he applies them to sometimes very real, very relatable things. Like it didn't work, but in the happening, that was, that was what it was, right? It was like, what if the killer is nature? 
What if it's the mm. plants? What if it's the, the planet trying to get rid of us? So the killer is nature or, you, you know, he, he tries to do interesting things like that. And then this one, you know, and if you've seen the previews, I don't think this is a spoiler. You know, if you've seen the previews, you know, but in this one, it's aging, it's time. You know, what if that, the, that's kind of, the, the 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 silent killer or it's coming for you and stuff like that and there's this whole allegory about time and the fear of aging and things like that i mean there are some deep thoughtful messages in this but ultimately from where i think it fails it's just from a technical aspect like some of the decisions just it, it, it's not very technically sound it's a little disjointed. It, mm. Not all of the best decisions are made to maximize the story and the characters. So then ultimately, by the time you get to the end, you're just like, man, dude, like it just wasn't quite as impactful as you really wanted it to be. And so, yeah, I, I mean, I can't, but I can't say that it's a terrible movie. It's definitely not that. It's just, but it is one of those movies that felt like for every hit that it had, there was a miss. And so ultimately, mm-hmm. you just wind up midway. Yeah. No, I agree. That uh, is definitely, yeah. yeah, that's definitely a really <laughs> accurate way to put it because. It is intriguing enough where you do throughout the entire movie, you're like, what's going to happen? What's going on here? Like, what yeah, are they going to make it? What's going to happen to these people? Like, you do want to know throughout, even, even with like the weird things that they put in it. And like, when you get a few letdowns or disappointments and what they do with the story, you're still wanting to know what they do. <laughs> even to the very end, you're like, I just need to see how this plays out. So I will give it that, if that makes sense. Yeah, that is very true. You are intrigued, and it's an interesting premise. And so, and that carries you from beginning to end. And then the actors and actresses that he chose are good. You know, Mm. they're good in a lot of their roles and stuff like that. And so they keep you along for this ride. And and yeah, yeah, they they keep you there, just like how we were kind of talking about with Snake Eyes, how Henry Golding kind of kept that uh, from just being a complete disaster. Well, (laughs) this these characters, they're working hard. These actors and actresses are working overtime. The child actresses were good. Actors were good, too. Oh, yeah. Um, You know, everybody's working overtime to maximize what these characters were. But again. It was just those story elements, man. We we just didn't quite get where we needed to with the story, but um, but yeah, um, but but man, I want to get into spoilers. So, are we ready to transition? <laughs> yes. So, should we give our scores and then we transition? Yes, you are right. I almost forgot about that. Thank you for that. <laughs> See, no, Sterling, it's just because I know <laughs> I know our friend Sterling had a few things he wanted us to relay for him, so that's the only reason. I remembered. <laughs> yes. And he would have, and he would have killed me if I had <laughs> forgotten this section. So yes, let's cue that music for recommendation and scores. All right. Recommendations and scores. You go All ahead right, and start, so Jackson. We, 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll start with mine. Okay. So for this movie, man, uh, oh man, (laughs) again, I feel like it's a recommendation for a niche audience. Like if you're a lover of M. Night Shyamalan, if you're somebody who kind of, uh, is somebody who's a fan of his work and you kind of want to see what this next installment is. You kind of want to unravel the mystery and why are these people getting old? I saw the previews and I was kind of curious. I kind of want to scratch that itch. I think that people like that, uh, I-, I would recommend this for you might be feeling this more than somebody like me. You know, you may co- go into this with, you know, just the expectations for to be weirded out and just taken on a ride by M. Night Shyamalan. And that might be enough from you, for you. And that definitely is here. So I feel like for that niche audience, they might like this. Um, as far as for the general audience, uh, I guess I would say that it can wait. Like, I don't think you need to rush to the theater to see this. I don't think this is one where you're, 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 you need to, you know, pass up other movies that might be better over this one or anything like that. I feel like this is one where you can wait until you can stream it or rent it somehow on a service or something like that. You can wait to see this one. And I just feel like ultimately, you know, if you were to watch it, I feel like it'll, it'll be on your thoughts for a little while. Like maybe a few days or so you might be thinking about, oh man, this, this, that, and the other. But I just don't know if it would have that lasting power. I feel like, again, it's another movie that will wind up being forgettable because of the things that didn't work uh, that that stand out more so than the things that did work. So yeah, again, it's just kind of midway with me. So with that being said, um, but you know, I will give a kudos to the actors and the actresses. So I'll go yeah. a little bit higher than 50 for them because it does have some great performances. And there is a good message, I guess, in this about time and how you use it and different things like that. And, um, you know, what you value in your life and stuff like that. There are, there is kind of a message there about that. So for that, I'll give it a few more points. So we'll go 55. Um, we'll go 55, uh, <laughs> rappers named midsize sedan <laughs> that have incredible, incredibly fast and quick and rapid nosebleeds out of a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I think that that's the prettiest rapper I've ever seen though. <laughs> he is a very pretty man. That dude, man, that, that was just, but that name, Mid-Sized Sedan, I was like, like who came up with that? Right. <laughs> so random. Yeah. No, that I was random. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. And the funny thing is, I was thinking about this, too, and I was like, part of me was like, I kind of think I like Snake Eyes more than I liked Old. But then thinking about it and talking about it just now, the acting performances in Old, really, they really do what they can do. And like, if, if this was just a movie about some, like, if this was like monologuing or just not even monologuing, but just like watching specific actors in a movie, just the whole way through, just be acting in character. 
this has some really great character acting in a way, if that makes sense. Like they just, they Mm -hmm. really do a great job with, with what they can, which is just super weird to say because of the movie that this is, is like not at all like up to the standard of the acting that was given to it. And, um, you know, I know we've had that happen a few times before with some movies, but the acting is far better than the, the movie itself in these cases. And I think that that does elevate it just slightly a little bit because you do have to have some really great dynamic acting skills to pull off what they're trying to do in this movie as a whole. So I think in that sense, it does get just slightly above the okay score, just slightly. So I'm going to give this a 52. Um, why do people black out when they go into that cave out of a hundred? <laughs> they don't really ever explain that either, but, um, but yeah. And then, yeah, as we said, Sterling couldn't be here, but he did have a few thoughts, of course, because it's in my Shyamalan. So he's going to have some thoughts on that. <laughs> so, um, Justin, if you just want to start that off. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So even though Sterling couldn't be here for this episode, he does have a review of sorts for the movie Old. So here is Sterling's review of the graphic novel Sandcastle in which this movie Old is based off of. And I'm going to preface my part of this by just saying, this is me speaking on behalf of Sterling. This is not me speaking. Um, this is not my language, but it is Sterling's. So I'm going to relay it on his behalf. Forgive me, everybody, for my language. But um, he said, fuck M. Night Shyamalan. Fuck this movie. Fuck being able to see or read because those traits allowed me to read this book. It's creepy, <laughs> convoluted, boring, and a waste of the universe. <laughs> I wish I had supernaturally aged to death like characters in the story while reading it. So I would have been spared something. My score is 100 fucking M night Shyamalan's out of a hundred. 100 out of 100. I'm confused. That sounds like a good score. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, He wrote a disclaimer just in case there is confusion, (laughs) which I don't understand how there could be. One M. Night Shyamalan equals negative one million. So the score actually is negative one million out of a hundred. And a big old fuck this movie and book. Oh, yeah. Okay. That sounds way more like Sterling. And that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you, wow. Sterling, for that. That was, um, that sounds about right for what we expect from a Shyamalan um, score for you. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, um, I take it he didn't like Sandcastle that much. Uh, okay, your turn. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's about, yeah. All right, so I guess we are ready for spoilers then, yeah? Yes. All right, here we go. Spoilers. All right, go ahead, Justin. Okay, man, like, 
I mean, I, I didn't hate this premise. Like, I, I did like the idea of you've got these people and they're all on this island and they're all aging at di- and they're all of different ages, uh, diverse backgrounds. You know, you've got a doctor, you've got, um, you know, you've got all these different professions of people. And then you've got some children involved in everything like that. And seeing the rapid aging happening to them, they're trapped on this island. And so the aging is almost like the killer is what the kind of horror killer is in this. Um, that slowly but surely, or not actually, actually very quickly, I might add, is affecting them and they're aging so quickly. Um, and like, it's crazy because like on one end you you feel like there's this allegory about time and how you know you've got these people that are stuck in a place that they can't get out of and time is just aging them and honestly i'm pretty sure like when you think about life there are probably a lot of situations where you feel like you're stuck or you feel like you're in this mm-hmm. pattern of this routine and you're just constantly aging like and and it's like you can't escape and so like i i kind of saw that in this like i saw that kind of in this narrative where you have these people and they're aging and they're worried about all these other things, worried about trying to get away, worrying about trying to escape age and not age and stuff like that. But they're missing their lives. You know, they're, they're, they're mm. missing some enjoyment that they could be getting from their lives. They're letting it pass by worried about these other things. But really, maybe the better way to have looked at it is to just enjoy what was there? You're on a beach. Just, you know, maybe the, 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 the idea is to enjoy what was there because no matter what, you're going to die. Time will catch up. There is no escape from it. So just worry about the time that you have in the moment. You know, I do feel like some of that is in here, but when you watch this movie and you see how everything is executed, I just don't feel that that entirely comes across. It does in some characters. It does in some moments, but not for everything. And I think that's what the problem is, because by the time you get to the twist, which, you know, ultimately you find out, and this is a spoiler section, so nobody should have a problem with this, but, uh, you know, ultimately you find out that this was all a scientific experiment, that these people were mm. put on this island as guinea pigs and they're aging quickly because they've all got some sort of physical uh, medical ailments. You know, there was one person who had uh, seizures and stuff like that. There was another person who had mental problems. Um, another character had a calcium deficiency. So all of these uh, people had these sort of medical conditions. And the idea is to put them on this island, to give them these medicines, give them these things. And because they're aging so quickly, you can test how your medicines are affecting people faster rather than it taking years to test medicines or or months or something like that to test these things to find out if they work on people and different things like that and also just the headache of trying to 
find actual people to do these trials and things like that. Well, these are some scientists and these are some people who have found a way to house these people unknowingly against their will and test these things in order to try to help society. So from their perspective, it's an ends justify the means sort of thing, but it is horrifying watching these people go through some of this rapid aging, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and what the actors I think did so well in this, though, is portraying these people who have grown up. So there are these adults, but they still have to have like childlike minds and thoughts and stuff like that. I thought that that was very well done by a lot of the actors and actresses, especially those where they started as kids and were growing up quickly because they still had to be kids kind of trapped in teenage and adult bodies. And I thought that that came off uh, uh, very well. I really thought that that did. Um, Just to to just take a quick note of some of the performances uh, that stood out to me. Well, first of all, Gael Garcia Bernal, who plays... Um, guy in this. I love Gael. Uh, he's probably my favorite, uh, Spanish actor. I really love him. I've seen a lot of his movies. Um, uh, there's a movie, The Crime of Padre Amaro. El Cremen de Padre Amaro is the name of the movie. I highly recommend that. He's in it. Um, Motorcycle Diaries is another great movie that Gael Garcia Bernal is in. I really love him. Uh, as an actor and I thought that he did well here too I liked uh, especially towards the the end of that character's uh, moment where by the end he kind of realizes that he spent all this time being mad at his wife and worried about uh, certain things and in the end sort of realizing that he should have just appreciated the fact that he had his family and kind of that realization that he makes in his dying moments and everything like that. I thought that Gael did such a great job uh, portraying that in the end. Um, Though that scene kind of comes at an abrupt time, which I'll get into the negatives, but uh, I thought that his acting performance at least, uh, tone aside, tonal shifts aside, I really thought his acting performance in that moment was great. You know, um, and he's not the only one that shows up. Uh, Rufus Sewell, uh, who plays Charles, the 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 mad doctor, yeah. we'll call him in this. He was very good in this, too. His acting was great in this. Now, not a, I didn't like the lines all the time. You know, hey, did you know there's a movie with... Uh, <laughs> who did he say? Hey, there's a movie with Marlon Brando and uh jack nicholson jack nicholson yeah 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 hey there's a movie with marlon brando and jack nicholson i know there is yeah there's one i don't know about all those lines but he did a great job showing this character's psychosis rapidly getting worse and finally getting to his breaking point i thought that he did um a great job at that. Um, and, um, and I also liked, um, Ken, Ken Lung in this, who plays, uh, Jared. He did well too. 
you know, um, for the time that he was in it, I thought that he was a good character too, you know, and, um, and even though there were parts where he was kind of used to kind of exposit in a way and kind of figure out what was happening with this island and stuff like that. Um, I, I thought that he did well in his acting performance. So that was another guy I wanted to give a, a, a kudos to and not to go too long to quickly just kind of talk about my, some dislikes or at least just what I feel are, I guess the biggest sins of the movie dialogue is definitely one of them. I, I just feel like there are times in this where like it, like, like what I was alluding to with Ken Long scene, there's a part where all the characters are kind of grouped up together and everybody's kind of expressing what they think is happening here or what's going on on this Island and stuff like that. And so these, so these characters, they can't figure it out. And they're like, Oh man, what's going on? And then he has one character just in a theory perfectly explain what is happening on this island, <laughs> you know, and, and it's played off like a guess. But obviously that is the answer. That's kind of what he does in this movie. Like the, this character is like, well, maybe it's uh, has something to do with the heat or the temperature. or Maybe it has something to do with this. And then you have a character suddenly go, I think that the minerals <laughs> on this island are manipulating our bodies and causing <laughs> us to age and the reason why when we try to go into the caves or something like that is is that when we get too far away it affects us even worse and so that's why we're blacking out but but if we stay here maybe even just stand in place maybe the aging won't affect us that much and i mean he had this character say so much stuff. <laughs> was and that just Jared basically, that Yeah, that was, was him. right? Yeah. 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 And that was him that said it. And he said so much stuff that just perfectly explained what was going on on this island. And that was, but it was played off as a guess, just a calculated guess. And it's like, how would he even make such a calculated guess? How would a person even make such right. a leap like that? So it's like just the unrealistic kind of, it's hard to suspend your disbelief when stuff like that happens. And there are moments like that where characters would just say things that really just don't seem to fit the peril that we're in. And a lot of times that just took me out of the movie or like I alluded to the doctor with the whole Marlon Brando, Jack Nicholson thing, the, the, the points where that comes up or the points where the character, and I get to a certain extent, the character is losing his mind. Like, like, like maybe Shyamalan thought that that was a way of showing the psychotic break, but that character would randomly say that then he would say something smart or something intuitive or something yeah. like that. So then it kind of feels like, okay, that's not showing a break in this character. This was put in here because kind of for a laugh or dark humor. And I don't know if he picked the right times to do that all the time, because it certainly didn't feel that way with me. But I think, that's like the biggest dislike I have. It's just that there were times where the tone just was so disjointed and it just kind of took you out of the movie or like towards the end, like where 
all these characters have died. We've seen a woman with a calcium deficiency get contorted and bend up and and basically break our bones and all these characters are have died and we just got through and then we almost got killed by a doctor who was stabbing us and all of this crazy stuff and then there's a cut and in the next scene we've got the family sitting here and we're singing a song and we're just reminiscing and happy and i'm like what like all these people (laughs) died and you were just within an inch of your life almost being killed and everything like that and now we're just kind of sitting at a fire singing and that was such a weird transition to me that was very jarring a very jarring shift in the tone like there had to be a better way to get there and it wasn't after all of these other characters died you know i just felt like that was such a jarring shift in tone and that's what this movie does sometimes it gives you like this horrible thing that happens and then the characters are kind of situationally saying things kind of funny like you see this horrible thing happen and then another character goes well we really should get together and hold hands and express our feelings and you're like huh like would a person say that in this situation? <laughs> so I don't know. Like that, that bothered me throughout the movie. But um, I mean, I probably have some more stuff, but I feel like I'm dominating it. I'll let you go for a bit. <laughs> no, I do get what you mean, though, because like I understand that that character who was doing that was the the lady who like also had the seizures and stuff like that, um, Patricia. And she was, yes. you know, she had mentioned that she was a psychologist or a counselor or something to that effect. I can't remember fully, but, you know, and I, I realized that that was supposed to be her trying to keep everybody calm and, you know, do the counseling aspect and con- console them and all of those things. But just the, I think you're right, the timing in which they try to do it or kind of the way they execute trying to do that didn't really pan out as well as I think they wanted it to because it felt disingenuine and it just felt like almost forced, like just to prove like, you know, oh, we have so many different types of people with different types of jobs that normally in our situation, having these different types of people with these different occupations would be helpful, but we're not sure what to do with it now because we're all getting old and aging and freaking out. You know, so I just feel like the way they like were trying to execute it was not, I mean, it kind of was like a waste of, you know, like you have a psychologist there, you have a doctor there, um, you know what I mean? Like you just have these people that are, would be very helpful in situations when you're stranded like this or, you know what I mean? So, and it just, they didn't really use it to the full effect that they should have, even when they did like yeah. the, um, like the surgery on the mom, you know, when she had like the tumor and they took the tumor out, which was a weird thing anyway. Um, because just so how very clean and easy and whatever it was for, for them to do that, you know, but it was, yeah, they, they didn't utilize those, um, aspects of it the way that they should have. And I think that, for me, one of my biggest problems with the movie is the cringe factor of it with some th- certain things, such as these kids who are now 
grown up officially like pretty much adults, but really the minds of children apparently having sex and creating another baby. That was cringy. Yeah. And unnecessary. And even if it is part of the story of what happens in Sandcastle or Sandcastles, the the graphic novel, it's cringy. (laughs) And I didn't like it at all because I get that, okay, you are older and, you know, you are to the point where you can create life and all of these things, but they have the minds of children. And it just really, really was off-putting to put that in this movie. Um, You know, it just, it didn't sit well with me just because that's cringy in general. That's just a very cringy thing Um, because they definitely still had the mindset of children, obviously, that you could tell. And, um, and again, like I said, Alex Wolf, um, and even the, uh, the girl, the one that is pregnant and I've seen her in other stuff too. What is her name? Um, I'm trying to find it here. It's, I can't remember her name, but yeah, so I've seen her in other stuff before. I think she was in little women. Um, Eliza Scanlon. That's her name. Uh, Yes. Yes. Yeah, she's she's been in that. She was in that sharp um sharp objects TV show. Like she's been in a lot of stuff. You know, um she's a good actress and Alex Wolf, he's great. He's a good actor. And they did a good job of still being those, you know, growing into adults but still childlike mindset thing. They did that really well. Um Alex Wolf being this kid who just like everything is making him cry. Because he doesn't know how to process his emotions as an adult because he's still a child, you know. So they did that aspect of it well. But I just think that they could have done without the whole them deciding that they are going to have sex when they're still basically children. It was just very strange to me. And also the cringe, yeah. the cringe aspect of Maddox, the sister. Um, she is essentially what, like seven? or eight technically, but then she grows up and she's just kind of on the beach, just kind of roaming around in a two piece, just very, you know, like it's nothing. And it just, because of the fact that she's supposed to be so young and even when she's older, her or teenage her, she's still what, 15 or 16. And I just feel like they did a lot of it just wanting to be like, oh yeah, she really grew up and showing her just in this like two piece. And it just was very cringy. And maybe they weren't trying to do that, but it's just kind of how frequently they had that happening in her scenes. It just felt cringy to me. I don't know. Um, but cause you don't really see them doing that with everybody else's character, you know? So it was just very weird to me. But, um, Again, I do think uh, Thomas and McKenzie, who plays the sister Maddox, she was phenomenal. Um, she's up there as probably one of the best performances in this because her, the way that she played just like that very, still having like the, the mannerisms, even when she spoke and like the, the quivering in her voice because she's not sure and she's scared. Like she just really did a great job with her part. Yeah. Um, same thing. Yeah. With Alex Wolf and Eliza Scanlon, all of them that played, like you said, the, the ones who were kids that became adults, 
did a really great job and they really brought everything. And I don't have a specific problem with any of their performances as far as how they portrayed those characters. It was just more the cringy aspect of what those characters were written to do in the story, (laughs) you know? Um, But I, I really did like them. And I think that the mom, um, uh, what is her name again? Uh, Vicky Kripes. I think she did a really great job. I think she was a driving factor in kind of moving the story along. And you almost feel like it was focused on her for a while, like as the main character. Um, but I think that she was a really great performance as well. So I, basically yeah. that whole family, I think really kind of drove this. Um, there were some aspects of the people that were technically on this island together and just sort of their weird dynamics with each other. Like, for example, you know, the mad doctor and then the um, crystal played by Abby Lee who had the calcium deficiency. Like, you really feel like they almost didn't even know each other. Like, they're supposed to be married with this child, right? And yeah. it felt like how often were they even talking to each other, even when they were going through their really difficult times of he's going mad and she's having all this pain in her body because of her illness. They weren't even around each other. Like she wasn't trying to comfort him or bring him back to like reality of himself when he was going crazy. He wasn't around her trying to like hold or comfort her in her pain. It was very weird, you know? Um, and I, I mean, that just, and, and maybe that was supposed to speak to like, this is not a real marriage filled with love, which is fine. But I mean, they just were legit off by themselves, <laughs> you know? Um, it was just very strange. And then what's his face? Mid, mid-sized sedan <laughs> was just <laughs> like, he felt very random in this. Um, he was okay for what he was supposed to be, but he just felt very random in this entire thing. <laughs> like, um, he, he just had this whole vibe when you first meet him of just very mysterious. And like, you feel like something is shady about him or whatever it is. And it turns out he's not at all like this shady person. They just kind of portrayed him that way for the sake of, you know, the mystery of the story. Um, and yeah, everybody kind of just like kills everybody. And even the way that they age, the rapid pace at which some age versus others is very strange. You know, um, it just, and, and maybe they address, I don't remember, but like, I just feel like the adults just aged a lot slower than the kids did. Um, do you remember if that was like explained? like why that uh, yeah you yeah you are right about that um it's it almost was kind of like well i think what he was doing was he was trying to get away with the fact that you know when you get uh start aging as an adult and stuff like that um i think he you know a lot about your appearance doesn't change you know you get wrinkles and mm. stuff like that of course as, as you get older it you know you, of course there are changes but yeah i guess he was trying to get away with the fact that, well, they're adults. They're not going to change as much. So mm. I won't change them as much, you know, like I, I could see like sometimes the makeup was great. Like I could see that Gael was getting wrinkles. Sometimes mm-hmm. he would do these close ups on the faces 
and purposely show you that certain characters would have wrinkles. But yeah, uh, you didn't feel, it didn't feel like the adults were aging at the rate that the children were. You know, it definitely felt like the children were growing faster. Yeah. I mean, especially if they go from children to having sex in a tent. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, and then having and then being pregnant. You know, that's a lot happening. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in a couple of hours versus the adults who were kind of just like, eh, you, oh, okay. You know, I, I do get that. It did feel like the adults were aging slower. And I think that was just him thinking, oh, I can get away with this because they're adults. They wouldn't change that much. Mm -hmm. But yes, ultimately, it did kind of feel like the rates of aging weren't the same. I get what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, and even again, with that whole scene with um, Eliza Scanlon's character, you know, being pregnant. And then obviously it was a rapid pregnancy because of how things age. and. that was interesting, but also just the whole aspect of, you know, the baby's born and then it basically died right away because things are moving too rapidly and the baby was neglected in a sense, um, wasn't getting enough attention. And so the baby died because of that. And I guess part of it too is for one, I feel like some of the reactions that they were having to what was going on they were good initial reactions, but they didn't last long enough to make it feel like they were like legit reactions to what was happening. Um, and also they're just figuring out these things so quickly and just accurately. Like you were talking about before that I'm like, how would you know? Like I would still be in the middle of all of this and like, what is happening? What is going on? I don't understand anything. I'm freaking out because everything is so weird right now that I wouldn't be able to actively be like, oh, you know what? I bet I know the reason that, that baby died. Like, how would you just know that so quickly and just, you know what I mean? Like, I just feel like they were just so yeah. easily able to figure out what was happening when, even if you're mulling it over and you're throwing those theories out there, for hours, I would probably be like, what's happening here? I'm genuinely concerned because I have no idea what's happening to us and what's happening on this island. I would just be, and it was just kind of like, yep, that's got to be it. That's definitely what it is. And it's like, how, how are you just so set on that's what it is when so many things are happening that you don't know like what they are, that you're just so set on like, well, this obviously must be what it is. Like I just, the entire time I was on that island, I would be questioning everything. And when I think I might've known what it was, something new probably would happen where I'd be like, maybe it's not that, <laughs> you know, like I just would not ever have any certainty of what was happening to me on that island the way that they did. You know, they just figured it out so quickly and concisely and it just didn't feel, it felt not natural how quickly and, you know, and I, I feel like their initial reactions, you know, people are dying off, they're freaked out, but then it just becomes a very like, they moved on so quickly from it that you don't feel like it was their natural, genuine reactions. Like they're just sitting there and they're taking it in. And again, maybe just me, but I would be like, I'm shaking. I have this crazy anxiety happening. I'm not able to be settled or relaxed at all. Pacing back and forth, something is what I would be doing. And I just feel like they were all just kind of like, you know, not, not sitting in their reactions to where it felt real, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I, I definitely get with some of that. And, you know, just um, to, to quickly comment on the whole pregnancy thing. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Like, what was the point of it? Like, it made for an intense scene in that moment when she was trying to have the kid and all that kind of stuff. But then that scene just kind of doesn't really go anywhere. And then the girl is like, I'm going to climb this rock and just dies. Right. <laughs> you know, that that's that's essentially what happens to that character. So, yeah. And then I, I didn't even think about what you were saying, though, there about how th- they still had kid brains. You know, they mm-hmm. still had child minds and they decided to do that. And, yeah, I, I do get what you're saying there, because even though their bodies are changing, and the hormones and all of this stuff. So they may be feeling things, right. but they still wouldn't really know or just automatically jump to, oh, let's have sex and we know how and everything like that. You you would think that right. there would have been questions about it or Freaked one out. of them could, they could have had, yeah, you know, they could have had some kind of conversations with their parents or something, you know, maybe they should have just explored the hormones and yeah. the curiosity of sex with it and not gone any further than that. And you still could have arrived to the same conclusion. She's, they still could have fallen for each other or thought they had feelings for each other. And then she could have climbed the rock and died. I mean, right. if that's all that was going to happen. Yeah. I don't know why you needed the pregnancy except for a shock factor. Yeah. And I and, don't know if maybe it was to like, just sort of solidify just the, craziness of how quickly things happen on the island and maybe that's just trying to drive that point home i don't know but yeah i think you are absolutely right because you know like they do have child's mind so it's like clearly these are kids that would never have had that talk about like what sex even is at that point yeah even if they were curious and just doing things like not to the point where they would have done something that would have allowed pregnancy. I just feel like if their minds were that young, they wouldn't have even like figured out or known or even gone there with that being something they could have done at the age that they were at mentally. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And so then it kind of feels like, well, he threw it in for shock factor and to have Mm -hmm. a tense moment, which it was a tense moment in that in that scene in that moment, but ultimately it doesn't really pay many dividends. And and that's kind of what this movie is in a nutshell. The payoffs are kind of weak in a lot of places, mm-hmm. and that and that's ultimately where you and like to your point about um or to well really to both of our point about them figuring out things so quickly. It was the same way at the end when the brother and si- when the brother pulls out that coded message and solves mm-hmm. it, and, it, and he says, "Well, he says that uh, the 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 man doesn't his father doesn't like coral." Okay, so that means we can swim out, huh? Yeah, <laughs> like, how did you jump there to that? <laughs> like, especially with your child's <laughs> mind, like what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I totally get what you're saying. It's just like the the jumps and the leaps that these characters made to progress the narrative because yes, the audience needs to know what was going on. So I guess that was the conundrum for Shimalon. Like, how do I 
get the audience to start to figure this out without the characters figuring it out. So he just decided, I'll just have the characters make these leaps. And Mm -hmm. because you had to have those leaps so that we could figure it out with the characters, it just wasn't as believable. He didn't find out a way to bridge those gaps. He just made them happen. And, for the sake of moving the story along. Yeah, exactly. And you also it also felt like they the people in the story figured it out before you had a chance to try and figure it out for yourself. They just had all of That's this, true. All of this dialogue about what was happening, just so perfectly understanding it. <laughs> like they don't even give you a chance to try to understand what's happening in it. So it takes some of the suspense away. Because there's just like that need to have the long dialogue of explaining it fully like that like at the end of it i understand like you know when when you find out that they're experiments basically um i actually kind of i wouldn't say liked but i didn't mind what they did with that you know because even they explain like you know we did have one success which was the the lady who had seizures and things like that and epilepsy like didn't have anything happen for what did they say like 16 years or something like that um yeah like 16 years yeah and like just the explanation of that and like that kind of sort of gapping or bridging like okay so these experiments you're doing you're you're seeing they're they're explaining that there's a payoff for it like you're at least getting an understanding of like why do you think it's okay to do these experiments are you doing them just because you know, and then you get at least that where they explain, you know, we're making strides in medical in medical studies with things like this because we're seeing results of epilepsy not coming up for 16 years. Like, they at least explain to you why they're doing the experiments. And that part, I did at least appreciate that. Um, but yeah, more, more to the point, like, it just, yeah, it, it felt like... Um, the dialogue was being said before you have a chance to try and figure out for yourself what you think is actually happening. Yeah. And I think that's a good point. Like, especially about just what was happening on the Island. It would have been nice if some breadcrumbs were laid or he would give us that a little bit piece by piece. And these characters kind of put it together piece by piece, what's happening to them. But you're right. If you're just going to lay it all out there and one character's just going to perfectly guess it on the first try, well then, <laughs> yeah, it did take away from the mystery of it because he just gave it away. So then yeah. we knew, okay, they're aging and stuff like that. Or when he kept showing M. Night Shyamalan up, you know, himself up in the mountains looking down on him and stuff, you know, he just yeah. kind of, those were too many on the nose clues and so you knew that okay they're being watched or they're being experimented on or something like you just got the sense that 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 because he that he was showing that and one character was like that's a camera they're watching us man they're watching us for some reason you know like i think some of that was a bit on the nose how about let somebody get up there how about the girl instead of just climbing halfway and dying what if she had climbed all the way up and grabbed onto something that looked kind of like a camera and she was like huh like what is this camera doing here then she falls or she grabs onto it falls and then 
they're like, what did she grab onto? And they see that she pulled a camera or that a camera fell with her. And it's like, oh shit, there are cameras up there. You know, I don't know. I just think maybe there was some more effective ways he could have gave us clues and not just and had it not been so on the nose. And then it just kind of sucks because like a part of me just kind of wishes that the brother and sister just kind of stayed on the island and decided we're not going to escape. We're just going to enjoy each other. I'm just going to enjoy my brother and I'm just going to enjoy my sister. And they just sort of learned the lesson about valuing your time. I don't know. I feel like, would that almost have been better than the science experiment and seeing all these scientists and then they get arrested and it's like, okay, everyone's arrested. And that (laughs) was it. You know, it was just kind of like, okay, it was an experiment. Everyone's arrested. That's it. Um, And I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't think that that was a bad ending per se, but it definitely would wasn't an impactful one. Yeah. It just kind of felt like, okay, that's the answer. Cool. They were doing experiments. Cool. And I got why, and you're right. I did like the explanation of why. And I thought that that was cool how they did it with the whole breakthrough. And yeah, you know, she didn't have any epileptic seizures for that for this amount of time, which equates to this many years. So yes, we did find a medicine that is helping and that will, we cured it for that amount of time. So now people will survive. That was a cool, like ends justify the means moment. Yeah. But I, but if, but it also felt like it was also more of that Shyamalan need to have like a twist ending and some, and you know, and there is a part of me that just wishes maybe he just focused on the time thing and valuing the time and stuff like that. And maybe right. if that had been more the focus, then we got to have this twist. Who knows? I might have found it more effective. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, the only thing I want to say about it is I think in my ranking of this movie, as far as the Shyamalan movies go, I would say it is probably, I would probably consider it maybe a little bit better than The Visit, but not as good as Glass. That's where I sit with it, um, just on personal preference. Yeah. And The Visit, yeah, I, was I know say- we said, like, both of us, I know, agreed. We're like, that, that movie's not bad. But I think just the performances, the acting performances kind of elevate this just a little bit above The Visit because of the the good performances from the people in this one yeah like like what you're saying is about where i kind of had it too i think it's i would probably put it just under the visit but it's very close like it's not by much like those movies are almost like to me they're almost like side by side each other i I just think the visit Mm -hmm. was just a little the narrative's probably a little tighter And I just kind of, so I probably might just put it over this for that reason. I I I thought the narrative was a bit tighter, Um, but you are right that the performances in this are better. You know, they are. I mean, that, that is the truth. The, The performances in this are better though. That old lady in the visit, man, 
she that's true she freaking you know, killed it, it it might be she a side by side it. yeah it's it's close <laughs> maybe it is just under the so, visit you're right because the story is a lot cleaner and tighter um i get that so yeah maybe maybe i agree with you maybe it's just below the visit yeah yeah, but it's like almost interchangeable. Like it's like, but but yeah, and even still, those movies are about your low. Those are about the middle of the, you know, mm. those are the middle of the pack. Those are the ones that are kind of tilted upward, and they're not like on that downward trend, like The Village and Lady in the Water and <laughs> stuff like that. Although it was funny how in this, you know, they found a lady in the water, and that kind of led to them going, "Uh oh, what's going on here?" So. Mm. <laughs> there was that. So CIA threw that in there. You nice. see, you see a lot. I see you, man. I <laughs> see you, man. I know what you do. Mm, I know what you're doing. Interesting. Um, That's true. But it's but, just uh, weird how like M. Night Shyamalan just he really is just the most mixed bag of like storytelling. I it, you're right. I do think is. he always has very interesting concepts. But man, that upper tier of Shyamalan that six cents split and signs that is magic like those movies are great and i mean two of those movies are pretty much on essentials list for me of movies that i just love to watch and that would be six cents and split signs is great too that could very easily be up there too but those two movies specifically i have watched them so many times because of just how great they are in my opinion they are really upper level of just not even just great level Shyamalan style, but just great movies. I love those movies, but just to be so like up there at the top of your game with those movies and then everything else just be really like a mixed bag of, I'm not sure what to think of this. (laughs) It's just very, I've never really known a director with such a stark opposite thing of what they're doing with their quality of movies that they're doing yeah i mean i it's almost like the 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 box of chocolates that forrest gump was talking about you never know what you're gonna get (laughs) i mean he could have he could have just been talking about m night Shyamalan's directing because that 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 really is what it is it's like you just never know what's going to come out of the box you don't and you might love it you might find it interesting you might hate it (laughs) you're or maybe you'll be somewhere in between but you're gonna always open the box you're gonna always want to taste it and see what it is you know that that's kind of what his movies are to me and like yeah like when you look at some of his best movies they are like i mean uh, the Sixth Sense is considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Mm. So obviously, like when he's on, he can make one of the greatest movies of all time. And then there's another part of him, though, that has made some of the worst movies of all time. <laughs> you know, in a lot of people's minds, like The Last Airbender and stuff like that. Like there are some movies where people are like, it is the absolute worst. It'll make a worse list. So, yep. I mean, that is the ultimate mixed bag with this guy. But one thing you can count on with him is that he seems to be good at interesting premises. He will 
always bring something interesting to the table. That is is the truth about him. That is the truth about him. When you see his previews, when you see what he's cooking up with the next movie, you can't help but be intrigued a little bit. You can't help but be like, well, that Mm. is unlike anything I've seen this year. So let me go check it out. And you may not have liked the taste of it completely, but you know, but, but it's almost like you still had to open the box. You know, you still had to taste it for, yeah. You know, you still have to taste it for yourself. That's how I feel about him. You know? (laughs) Yep. Totally. Um, anything else about old that you want to say? I was about to ask you the same thing. No, I am good. (laughs) I am all set with old as well. Um, All right. Close us out, Justin. Yes, ma'am. So with that being said, um, thanks everyone for listening to another great episode of Cinema Slayers. Be sure to like us on our Facebook page, Cinema Slayers Podcast, Cinema underscore Slayers for Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and let us know what you think. You know, um, we're always looking for responses. We've got a off script episode that we have to do. We're looking for topics. So make sure you comment on our posts and things like that. When you're looking for, uh, for those, check out some of our other episodes. We've got a Black Widow Loki episode that's been up for a few weeks now. So that's there. We, we try to review all of the latest and newest movies, and we're going to have more of those coming up in the future. Of course, we're going to have Suicide Squad, The Green Knight, and others that are coming up later on in the summer. So just stay tuned with us and respond to us and interact with us. And we will see you next time here at Cinema Slayers. I guess I gotta say something. What to say? Somebody else. Definitely Nickelback. Oh, I know. Nobody knows anything but we you. did G.I. Joe. Oh, yeah. All right. Are you ready? We did. So that gives me the opportunity to sing a little of this. Crashing through the sky, fearful comes the cry of Cobra, 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 dashing through the night, fill the air with fright, it's Cobra, 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 but they never give up, they never give in, they're out of sight. Who can turn the tide? G.I. Joe, the real American hero. G.I. Joe is there. Fighting for freedom wherever there's trouble over land and sea and air. G.I. Joe is there. Okay. (laughs) That was beautiful and very heartfelt. Like, I felt how deeply you liked those lyrics. So, thank you for that. Yes, the kid and me came out. That was the 80s G.I. Joe theme, if you didn't know. And now you know. <laughs> and knowing is half right. the battle. Hey, oh. <laughs> Bam. I see what you did there. Yes, common. Great uh, G.I. Joe end of episode reference. Just classic. Right. <laughs> Perfect. We out.